It's, uh, it is awesome to be together. It's awesome to be uh, with the men, uh, to uh, be able to see what you're calling for our lives. And uh, thank you that we get the opportunity to know you. We get the opportunity to, to listen to you. And uh, please be with us right now. Speak through me. And uh, give us ears of humility and a, and a hunger to know you, God. You are amazing and incredible. And it is, a, it is the best life to be in service to you, God. Jesus, I pray. Amen. So, so what school do you go to? So I go to the University of Tennessee now. Let's go! Yeah. 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 I, know, I just want to make sure if I knew, yeah, you, know, you gotta know. The good things do happen in Knoxville, <laughs> even though the football team doesn't. Valiant warrior. 
He performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but Naya went against him with a club, snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah. He too was as famous as the mighty three. He was held in great honor, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. These were the exploits of David's mighty men. Since Joshua stood in a battlefield by himself and killed 800 men in one encounter. Joshua was the original one-punch man. Shema, Shema was literally a one-man army. The entire army left, and he took out everybody. Eleazar fought so long that his hand fused to his weapon, and he had a weapon for an arm. He was completely unbeatable. Benaiah killed a lion. An 800 pound freaking lion! In the snow! In a pit! And he wasn't even good enough to be considered one of the three. Benaiah probably went in with the mighty man. He's like, hey guys, this is what I did today. I killed a lion! And then the answer is like, cool story, man. My arms are sore.
Christianity is considered it is the most female-dominated religion on the planet. It's the only religion on the planet that's female-dominated. Except for maybe the church of Beyonce, but that's a different story, right? <laughs> the lifeblood of the church is young men. Men choosing to live an adventure and find it in God and in His kingdom. Within all of us, within every single man, there is a desire and a need for adventure and for excellence. Right. It's, it's why we love sports. It's why we love fighting. It's why we love anime and superheroes. And it, we love it because we love battle and we love competition and adrenaline and adventure. It, it's, it's built within you. It is a part of who you are. You need it. But sadly, men in our generations are setting aside adventures <coughs> and exploits to watch other people do. Yeah. You know, we all have different things that we like, we all have different things that we, we dislike, but we all need to have exploits in our life. I think too many of us have decided to exchange exploits for sitting and watching other people live the lives that you're supposed to. You know, we, we even have brothers who had to drive up the hill to come to this class. They couldn't even walk it. Look at you, JK, where you at?
who fights against the mind games of Satan because you have his word engraved in your head. Will you be the one, will you be the man who prays for so long that the carpet in your apartment starts fusing to your knees? Will you travel a foreign land where Jesus is not known and help people, young men, pick up the mantle just as you have? Or will you go to, to religious places here in the United States, maybe like Mississippi, and help people see what true Christianity is like? And break down the walls of division and racism that still destroys our country. What will your exploits be? What is God calling you to? God wants to and has called you to something. He has something ready, prepared just for you. What will it be? Will you be there? ready to take it on, ready to fight the battle that God has put before you, or you'll be sitting on the couch missing out on the great adventure that God has. What will your exploits be? Second point, who will you fight for? Who are these mighty men of? They were David's mighty men. Eleazar wasn't the mighty man of Eleazar. Shema wasn't Shema's great mighty men. They were David's mighty men. These were men who chose to submit themselves to someone else. Great things. They did amazing things. But the greatest aspect of who they were is they were men under the authority of someone else. That they put themselves in. They chose to do these. Their great exploits were those of them under the authority of David. It says that three of them banded together because David was thirsty. Went into, went into a town, killed a whole bunch of people just to bring him some water. <laughs> there were men who chose to live under David's authority. There are powerful, strong, ambitious men. I think even among us. Right. Definitely in our world. But if you're strong and ambitious and driven and you are independent, you're not going to do anything for God. That you will be a great warrior for your own kingdom, for your own fight. In the Bible, you see that you see many mighty men. These people were men who killed mighty men. But they were men who were under the submission of someone else. God commands in the Bible for men to submit. For us to submit to God and for us to put ourselves under the submission, under the training, under the leadership of other men. Saul was removed from being king. One of the biggest things was he was jealous of the glory of David. He wanted the glory for himself. These men were written as valiant warriors. They wanted David to have the glory. If you want to be a mighty man, if you want to have great exploits for God, you have to be someone else's mighty man. You have to choose a life of servitude and submission. It doesn't work any other way. 
You know, I, I think about, I grew up and I played sports, I, I wrestled for, for a while. And I loved wrestling. And, and I remember my, my sophomore year of, um, of college, of high school, college. my sophomore year of high school, I was, my freshman year I won state, it was, it was awesome. And, and uh, my, my sophomore year I was undefeated going into uh, the finals of, uh, of state. And uh, there was a guy I'd never seen before. And he was also undefeated. And, uh, and I had no clue what I was doing. And I was like, I don't know how to beat this guy. And he just, he had one thing to do very well. And so I uh, was sitting there, was trying to watch tape. And watch, I watched a lot of tape. I was figuring things out. And eventually I was like, you know what? I just need to go call. So I went up. I, I called my, my youth wrestling coach. And I said, hey, I'm going to send you some tape. Whatever you tell me to do is what I'm going to do. And uh, just send the tape. And he's like, oh. Just do this. Basically, the guy would back up three steps and then take a shot. And uh, he was, was really good shot. He said, like, just don't move. He's like, when you wrestle, just stand there. And you'll win the match. So I did. And, uh, and it worked. <laughs> it was amazing. And uh, almost disqualified the guy. It was so, it, it was, but if I didn't decide, I'm going to submit. I'm going to, I had to say, whatever you tell me to do is exactly what I'm going to do. If I said, hey, give me some advice, if I don't like it, I'm going to do something else, and I never would have won. I would have gotten my butt hands. Throughout the Bible, the greatest men were students, disciples of other great men. Elisha had Elijah. Paul had Barnabas. Timothy had Paul. Peter had Jesus, John Mark had Peter, Joshua had Moses, and Moses had Caleb. The God, when he wants to call someone to greatness, he always puts them under someone else. Everywhere in the Bible. Who will you fight for? Who will you choose to completely put yourself under? One of the biggest failures among men who want to do great things is they're too prideful to do what's asked of them. Mm-hmm. Come on. If you choose to be humble, it will work. That God will, will bless your humility more than anything else. Does anybody know who Albert Pujols is? Yeah. All right, a couple of Albert Pujols. Uh, I'm a Cardinal fan, and I grew up in St. Louis, and it was a rough week last week. But Albert Pujols, in his first 10 years in the major leagues, was the greatest baseball player to play. His first 10 years, smashed records, smashed all the hitting records, won golden gloves. He was incredible. Was was on pace to beat Babe Ruth's home run record, was on pace to break it all. Contract comes up, moves to L.A., switches hitting coaches. What happens to him? He's still playing baseball. So if you know anything baseball, you don't know who he is. He's average. Yeah. At best. Switch hitting Thought he was good enough. What about Tiger Woods? <laughs> Tiger Woods is the greatest golfer ever lived. Tiger Woods, his first 15 years was incredible. Could hit the ball farther than anybody. People who play golf today, all of them are like, I just want to be like Tiger was when he was in his 30s, when he was in his 20s. Tiger was incredible. Then, 
He got divorced. His dad dies. He switches tags. Tiger Woods is pretty bad now. Can't make cuts. Barely, he's teetering on a curl. Switches caddies. Switches guys who gives him his clothes. His advisor. What about Tom Brady? Tom Brady. Tom Brady was a nobody. They didn't even have a pre-draft sound on him. Tom Brady is 90 years old, still playing in the NFL. Still better than all of us in here. He's the only person in the NFL where they let his trainer come into the locker room. He, he told the Patriots, I will, I will quit if you don't let my trainer in the locker room. He said he is that important. Why do you think he's arguably the best? Why do you, it's not because he's just a superior specimen or smarter than everybody. Superior specimens come out all the time. RG3, superior specimen, out in three years. Tom Brady's like, no, I, I, need my, I need my health guy in here, the guy who tells me how to eat, the guy who tells me how to live my life. He needs to be here every moment of my life. Otherwise, I'm leaving. I'll go somewhere else, but will let me do it. <coughs> to him, training is that important at 39 years old. <coughs> at 39 years old. The most important ingredient to greatness is humility. Your skills are whatever. Humility will beat skills and athleticism and charisma and whatever else you put out there every single time. There is no greater quality than that. True humility doesn't have qualifiers and it doesn't have stipulations. Think oftentimes we're like, I'll be humble if they say it right. Man, I'll, I'll listen to you if you're, if, you're, if you're gentle and nice enough to me. Man, I would have heard what you said, but it just didn't sound good. We put qualifiers. We put stipulations. If you do X, Y, and Z and jump through the hoops that I want you to jump through, then I'll jump through the hoops that you want me to jump through. This is what we say, right? This is what we live our lives. Hey, if somebody comes and begs me to train me, to invest in me, and says, I'll do anything to help you be who you want to be, then I'll consider it. Who was the last, who was the last time you said, you went up to someone and said, I'll do anything you ask. Just tell me what to do. Tell me how to live. Tell me what to do. I don't care. If, if it's wrong, God will figure, God will, will convince me of it eventually. I will be humble and we, I will learn from you. When's the last time you did that? Who do you do, who do, you do that? Who are you humble with in that way? I remember when I was in college, I, I, I wanted to do great things for God. I, was, I wanted to be a leader. I was a Bible talk leader. I was helping people out. I, I was, and I remember I was sitting, I was talking to someone. I was like, you know, you know, this guy who's, who's supposed to be training me, he, you know, the way he communicates doesn't work, and he, he does this, and he can be like this, and, and I just had these reasons. And I, got, I was like, I just need him to, to understand that's not how I learn. And, and I, or maybe I just need to go find someone. I, maybe I need to move somewhere where, the, where they'll really invest in me and teach me the way that I can really learn. Because this isn't, it just doesn't work. And the person looked at me, 
and said, the issue is not with your methods. The issue is with your humility. He said, I don't, it's not their job as a trainer to alter how they train you. It's your job as a learner to alter the way you learn. That impacted the rest of my life. They told me they go, and they learn from everybody. No matter how bad they know what they do. Are you going to be a mighty man and lay your life down before people? Say, whatever you need, whatever you want, I'll be your mighty man. Um, can, uh, I think it was, Brennan, can you stand up for a second? Um, Lawrence, where are you at? Say stand, yeah. Stephen, where are you at? Kevin, where are you at? Jordan, Genevieve's, like 90 Georgians here. Where are you at? These are my mighty men. These men are incredible. And uh, I am lucky to be able to serve with these guys. These are the, the mighty men of Nashville. And you guys can sit down now. But uh, if you know me, you know I'm a terrible leader. I, uh, I live about an hour from most of these guys. Uh, I, uh, I have a wife. I have two kids. Um, my kids are needy. My son, if I walk out of the room, cries. I, uh, I'm demanding. And I can be sharp. I can like empathy. I, I can be a little too ambitious. And uh, these guys are so much more humble than I am qualified to lead them. They, they set the bar on what it means to be a mighty man. I'm honored and lucky to have, have these guys who just, like, whatever you want. And it's, and God has blessed it in incredible ways. You know, it's, uh, it, I have felt more inspired, encouraged than I have in years. I, I believe more in the state of our city, in the state of our campus ministry than I have in a long time. And it's not because Nashville suddenly became this place where people want to know God before they have not Because I feel like I finally have men who are like, whatever you want. Whatever God calls me to, I'll do. I'll sacrifice whatever. And God has done it in incredible ways. Are you a mighty man? Are you humble? Who are you? And finally, how are you going to prepare for the exploits that are going to happen in your life? 1 Corinthians 9. know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we 
and imperishable. Therefore, I, I do not run in such a way as without end. I box in such a way as not beating the air. No, I discipline my body. I make it my slave. So that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not box like a man punching the air. I beat my body. I make it my slave. I will not be mastered by anything. Can you say this? Can you read this passage and say, I am not aimless in my life. In my walk with God, I don't just, I'm not aimless. I have direction. I'm going to win in my walk with God. Can you read this and go, I'm like an athlete in my life. And when people look at my life, my relationship with God, they're like, well, you're like an Olympic gold medalist when it comes to walks with God by the way you train. Or will you be disqualified for Christ? Do you get help when you only when you need it? Or only after you've messed up? Or only when you know you're in trouble? Your life is way too important for that. But sadly, that's, that's a huge standard amongst our, our group. It's way too common. You know, hey man, I... Me and my girlfriend, you know, we were in pure again. What should I do? All right, now it's been the fifth time. What do I do? You know, hey, you know, I, I failed three classes. Now help me. Hey, I haven't, I, I haven't had a quiet time in a month. I, I think I'm going to leave God. What should I do? Give me some advice. If I like it, I'll take it. Are you aimless? Hey, I hope I don't ruin my life today. I hope that I don't do something today that wrecks someone else's eternity. Is that how you walk? You determine. Do you have an aim? Do you have a goal? Do you have a plan? How you are going to prepare yourself for what life's going to bring. Life is hard. It is difficult. You are the easiest part of it. If you cannot be a pure man, you will be divorced if you get married. If you can't be a humble man that learns to submit when it doesn't make sense, you'll be divorced. You'll raise kids that don't like you. That, that they're like, yeah, my dad's a, he's a guy. If you don't learn To attack your neediness, your, your insatiable desire for the attention of women, for your selfishness, for your emotional immaturity, there's no way you will ever be a godly husband or father. There's no way. If you can't learn to deal and work through your emotions and not let the smallest little things destroy your world, 
How are you going to help a woman work through her life when she's mad at you? If you can't get off the couch and be selfless and serve, what's going to happen when, the, uh, when personal time doesn't exist anymore because you have a family? Your personal time is called sleep. If you're doing it next to someone. <laughs> and then some of us live our lives like, yes, I want to be a father someday. But you live in such a way that you're, you're saying the first one will be a throwaway. I'll figure it out after the first one. Let me make my mistakes now. The first one, I'll do it terribly. I'll go, oh my gosh, this is awful. Then I'll figure out the next one. Someday, you're going to have a job that's not Chick-fil-A. Fix it, Jesus. It's my But you're not going to have that job for very long. Because you can't make it your life. Because you can't get up to your class. Because you can't do your work. Because 15 hours a week is, is so much. That you're going you're gonna to be overwhelmed with being a Christian when your work says, I need to work 60 hours. And when you go home, you have a family to take care of. And you have bills. And you have other things. And aging parents. Yeah, you're going to do great, guys. <laughs> If you don't learn these things now, it, it, I, I turned 30 this year. I get more frustrated every single day when someone tells me they are too busy for their relationship with God. Hey man, I can't, I can't come to me this week. I just, you know, school and it's just so hard. You wouldn't understand because you didn't go to college either. Oh, I just, I just can't do it. You know, I'm working. You're like, yeah, that's called life. Man, I, man, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do that because I'm, really what you're saying is I'm too lazy. My personal time, my video games, my free time is more important than this. I hear it every day. I hear it every day. What's crazy is that uh, I talked to some older Christians, and when, when they became Christians in college, they'd sit down and talk about people reading their Bible. Sit, they would say, well, a lot of times I tell people, hey, can you read for five minutes and pray for five minutes? You know, I talk to people who were in college in the 70s, they say, hey, if you could just start off reading for 20 minutes and pray for 20 minutes. You've never read the Bible before, you never before. So 20 and 20. That was their baseline. How far we fall yeah. is our laziness. You know, amongst married men in the church, one of the saddest things is they put so much video games that they neglect their families. And they neglect their, their relationship with God. I don't know very many married men who play video games and have a healthy marriage and relationship with God. I'm thinking about it. I can't think of any. I can't think of one. I know men who are in the church who play video games. I don't know men who are in the church who have a great relationship with God who play video games and their wife thinks they're a great husband. Oh, wow. mm. oh, wow. 
And then if I add them like, and they're effective in their relationship, that's, that's totally different. Are you training yourself for what God's going to call you? What happens so often is as men, we need adventure. We need these things. We need exploits. It's within us. And if we don't start now and go, I'm going to find my adventure in God's kingdom and what he calls for me, you will find it in something else. You will leave college and you will become a workaholic. Or you will keep going from woman to woman. Maybe being pure, but idolatry, you know, idolatry from woman to woman. Because your, because your adventure is in men. And those things are not in God. Yeah. We need men in the church. We need them to train now. Look, you are not living, you cannot live your life for how am I going to help the kingdom today? You have to live your life as how am I going to transform the world in 20 years? What will I become in 20 years from now? I have some practice here. What will you sacrifice now? Would you cut out video games and go, you know what, video games for little boys, I'm going to be a man, I'm going to stop playing. Yeah. Mm. Will you deny yourself of something new every day? You know what, I'm just going to think, every day I'm going to say, I'm going to deny myself of something new today. Mm. Will you read your Bible in a way that you've never had before? Yeah. Become the expert at your university on the Bible. What if you just said, I'm going to make five new friends every day and talk to them about God? Yeah. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm going to become an encourager. And every day, I will encourage someone new. And it one every single day yeah. for the rest of the year. Maybe you're like, I'm going to complete all my assignments for school a week early. And if it's not given, before we go, I will finish it the day is the sun. Maybe you'll, you know I'm going to be a good student, and I'm going to study every day for the amount of time that I went to class. I will also study for that class. Maybe you're going to say, I'm going to memorize a book of the Bible before the year ends. You can pick third John. It's like 12 verses. I remember in high school when I memorized 1 Timothy. Transform my life. Maybe say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go up to somebody before this weekend ends, and I say, I need you to train. I will do anything you ask. Just pour into my life. Give me it all. How will you choose to be a mighty man of God? Isn't this why we're here? Did you pay $70 to come up here to, to be a slightly better citizen of the United States? Or a slightly more moral Christian than you were last time? Or did you come here because you wanted to be a, someone who changed the world? Did you come here because you realized that we were at a war with Satan and his army? And you're like, I gotta learn. Our world is awful. And it needs to be flipped. 
It needs to be transformed. Where we live is in such utter decay, it's nauseating. It needs young men to decide that you will change the world. It needs men to go, you know what, I'm not going to wait for someone else to do something about this. I am going to become a man of God who's going to flip this world upside down. The world has been changed by less people than the men in this room. Many times. It's been changed by ordinary, average people who decided that they weren't going to settle for ordinary or average. If the hundred and something of us decided, I'm done with complacency. I'm done with mediocrity. I'm going to be a Shabbat. I'm going to be a Benaiah. My hand will fuse to my sword until until the war is over. This world will be unlike anything we've ever seen. We will will come back in 20 years blown away by the little man-children we are now. And we will be amazed at the way that God is transforming us and our lives and our world. Let's be my own. Amen.